to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hello all and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast. Now before we get started, there's something that I really, really need to tell you. You'll have heard me mention our Work Your Way course, and as one soloist told me recently, it's become her go-to when she needs a bit of guidance. Over 80 bite-sized videos, exercises, and worksheets all in one place. Well, look, here's the thing. All that wonderfulness is now bundled into our premium membership. So you get all those learning tools and heaps of other promotional benefits, product discounts, and a copy of our best-selling book for just $99. If you're starting, growing, or re-energizing a solo business, it really is a steal. And what's more, it's covered by a money-back guarantee. So please head to our join page to find out more. Okay, my guest today is Jackie Pretty, founder of Grammar Factory, a publishing company that turns people into authors. She's the author of the very recently published book blueprint, How Any Entrepreneur Can Write an Awesome Book, and we're looking at how to reveal your inner author. Hello, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So look, I'm going to hit you straight away with my first question, which is, with so many books, self-published books, particularly appearing everywhere, is, is there still a place for books? Aren't books being devalued somewhat? What do you think? That is a great question, and I might surprise you a little bit with my answer because I think, yes, books are being devalued. Mm. Um, And I like to liken it to the rise of websites. So if we look at the small business landscape 10, maybe 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. not many people really had websites. And if you did have one, you were seen as almost more legitimate. And you 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 can imagine someone who's hired a less than reputable provider and something's gone wrong and they said oh well he had a website (laughs) yes yeah okay so all right so you're are you (laughs) are you saying then that that basically yes there are lots of books but the difference is um there are sort of good books well put together books well planned books and there are the opposite Yes. So if we go back to the website analogy, Mm. what happened over the next few years is that more and more people started to build websites because it got easier. Mm. So suddenly there was a distinction between people who had a bad website and people who had a good one. And today we're at the stage where there are so many tools like WordPress and Wix and Mm. um, sites like Upwork and Freelancer where you can get support for quite cheap, actually, to build a really good website. So there's no excuse not to have a good one. And I feel like self-published books are on the same trajectory. So five years ago, simply having a book marked you as a leader in your field. And then over the last five years or so, it started to get easier because there are more businesses like Grammar Factory and editors and designers and so on who are available to help you produce something that's really professional. So now I think we're at the tipping point where simply having a book isn't enough anymore. It does need to be, I mean, one, the content needs to be really good. It needs to address Mm. your reader's needs. But it also needs to be really professionally produced because it is a representation of your business. 
Yeah, okay. So, so I guess what you're saying, I, I, I totally get what you're saying there. And I think that, um, you know, what, what certainly what I'm starting to see in some of the books, you know, that, that, that uh, we get sent to review every now and again, that the, the standard does seem to be getting better. You know, I'm not looking at mm. something that I think, hang on a minute, this has been, this has been typeset in Word. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm getting things that are a lot better than that. So why don't we, let's move away from there. And let's go back again, perhaps to, to looking at really why do we need a book? You know, you kind of touched on it, but really do you think most people running their own business, would they benefit from having a book? I think most people who are running a service-based business, who are positioning themselves as, you know, the center of their business, they want to become that personal brand or that thought leader, I think they can benefit from a book. It's a little bit difficult if you have a bigger business where you're really not the focal point or if you have a a product-based business because then the story is about the product rather than you and your knowledge. But I imagine most of your listeners being soloists probably are mm. in that service space. So in that case, yes. Yeah, okay. All right. So yes, I would say most most people are in the service business. So let, let's, uh, well, perhaps I'll, I'll just say, okay, so imagine that we are one of those people. Still, why, why do we need a book? What's it going to do for, for, you know, for somebody mm-hmm. listening who's, I don't know, maybe in a, um, a financial business-based business or in a design business? What, what's what's going to happen? How are things going to change mm-hmm. once they've got a book? Well, the first thing is that becoming a published author establishes you as an instant expert. You suddenly have very physical proof of your knowledge and skills when you hand over 200 pages that you've written to a potential client or to a journalist who might want to interview you or to an event manager who's running an event and needs a speaker. So first you establish yourself as an expert and then that sets you apart from other people in your field who might have similar qualifications and similar experience but who aren't published authors. Yeah. Okay. And if all other things are equal, you suddenly become the easier choice. Yeah, okay. Look, I I can see that and I guess, you know, we we should all remember that, you know, authority comes from author, doesn't it? So it's you know, <laughs> it 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 it, uh, it certainly does help establish you like that. So what about do do many people come to you or do many people think, "Hey, if I get a book, I'm suddenly going to make a lot of money. I'm going to sell thousands <laughs> of books." I mean, what's your what's your take on that? What what how do you view a book as a revenue stream? I don't view it as a revenue stream, actually. I view a book as a marketing tool. And I think that's a trap a lot of small business owners fall into where they think, I'm going to write this book and I'll sell lots of copies and it will be basically passive income for my business. And that business model isn't the best way to make money because you're only making, say, $20 per book. So it's going to take a lot of books to add up to something substantial. So most of my clients come at it from the perspective of it's a sales tool. So if I'm speaking to a potential client and I'm happy to give them a copy of my book for free, knowing that they could then turn into a $5,000 or $10,000 client. Yeah, okay, and good. It's a yeah. very different business model. Yeah, I look, I I was assuming that you would say that because I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I remember when I was when uh, when we wrote our book, Flying Solo, back in the day, 2005, I think I remember. I was sitting there very naively thinking, oh, this is going to, this is just incredible. We're going to sell so many of these. Um, you know, we, we, we did sell quite a few and it, it you know, it, it was a, a very popular book and it continues to sell. But it's really kind of when you look at it over the course of 12 months or a 
two or three years, it's sort of tea and biscuits kind of revenue. It's not something that's mm. um, that's changing our world. But totally, I, I agree with you that it's a great sort of door opener. It's the kind of thing you can give to people. I've lost count of how many speaking gigs I've got as a, as a consequence mm. of it. So why don't we let's 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 just kind of move on from there. So how do we know what to write about? Again, if you imagine that you're one of these, um, you know, solo independent professionals um and i'm sure a, a situation for many is you sit there and you think okay i'm going to write a book and then the next thought is hmm what am i going to write about and once you start to think like that the 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 danger i think is that you kind of look around at oh maybe i'll go in a bookshop and have a look at what other people <laughs> are writing about and you think well everything's covered so how mm -hmm. on earth how do you work out what to write about and this must be part of your job i'm guessing Oh, absolutely. So I think the starting point is knowing why you're writing the book to begin with, because mm. writing a book that is going to be a tool to grow your business is very different to writing something because it's a passion project or it's always been a dream of yours. And if you're writing something that's purely for you, then there's a lot more flexibility because you could write fiction or poetry or a memoir. Sure. Whereas if you're writing something with the goal of growing your business, then there are some really specific guidelines. One of the places I always tell people to start is with a how-to book, simply because from an author's perspective, they do tend to be more formulaic, which means they're much easier to write if you're a first-time author. But from a reader's perspective, there's a clear benefit for the reader when it comes to reading your book. They look at the cover and know exactly what they're going to get from reading. So if we talk about my book, which is Book Blueprint, How Any Entrepreneur Can Write an Awesome Book, you read that and you know you're going to have the tools you need to write an awesome book. If it was a book about, I don't know, my journey through corporate copywriting into small business, mm. there isn't as much of a reader benefit there. So it's going to be much harder for that to then link into bit into my business yeah okay so again our um our finance person might be you know how to how to buy your first home or your designer might be how to brief a designer you know it, it's 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 kind of i guess it's up to us as business owners to look at what are the pain points of our customers and that will give us a strong clue as to what our how-to book should be absolutely i think it comes at the intersection between what your readers want and need what what you know about obviously and what you've learned from your experience in business but also what you're interested in and what you're passionate about because writing and publishing a book it is a significant investment of your time and your energy and financially as well so you want something that you're interested in otherwise you're mm. just going to run out of steam sure so look, i mean you mentioned a short while ago that kind of 200 pages i think was a figure that you used mm -hmm. you know which is a, a a nice sizable book that's a book that makes a thump when you stick it on someone's <laughs> desk so in your experience you know to somebody listening who's who's just not made any kind of stance on this how long should they give it to write a two or well, how many words is 200 pages it's like thirty thousand words or something so most of our clients write books between about 30,000 and 45,000 words. Okay. And if you're looking at a standard A5-ish size book, that'll be between about 180 and 220 pages. So it's something, it's big enough to feel substantial, but it's not so big that it feels overwhelming. It's something that a lot of people could read in, you know, a couple of hours or in a flight. Yeah, okay. So... Uh, but how long does it take then? How long does it take mm. the average person? So someone who's maybe not 
a proficient writer mm. but is a very proficient finance person or designer how long do you think they should allow from kind of tomorrow to getting a book out there and published um, so to getting the book published, I'd allow about 12 months. So right. that includes the writing time as well as the editing, design, printing and so on. When it comes to the actual writing process, it really does depend on how prepared you are when you go into it. So my system is all about having a blueprint before you start writing so that when you sit down to write, you're never looking at a blank page. Mm. You always know exactly what you're going to write rather than sitting down to write and going, hmm, I think I'd like to discuss X today and yes. let's do a bit of Googling and, oh, maybe I should call this client to learn more about their experience and suddenly two hours mm. are gone and you haven't written anything. Yeah, and then maybe I'll put the kettle on and just do some <laughs> do some washing yeah. and there's another day gone. All right, so mm -hmm. it's all it's clearly all in the planning and I know that... Yes. Um, that uh, you've got some tips and you've indeed you've you've got a guide I think you're going to show the people that uh, can get them started there but let's so let's let's move away from that again for a second and say all right so we need about a year uh, we're mm -hmm. looking to get you know 20 or sorry 30,000 or more words written uh, we're looking to write a book that primarily is about some of the sort of pain points or hot topics of our customers so that's all nice and clear um, but what what are some of the mistakes that people make when they sit there? You know, somebody listening to this might think, "Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I don't need any help. I, I can just <laughs> I can just do this." And I've met I don't know how many people I've met who've who've got a book half written and have done for a number of years. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the mistakes? What stops people actually getting to the end? Um, that's a really good question because there are different mistakes at different stages of the process. Mm. So. The first one is simply choosing the wrong idea to begin with. It's, and I see some authors, they write an idea that they're really passionate about, but they haven't actually checked if anyone wants to read this book. Mm. Or they write the book they think they should be writing, but they don't really care about it, which is when they run out of steam. Um, then you get into the writing process, and it's usually they haven't done the planning, so they set aside time for writing, but it's really wasted and it takes so much longer than it should. Whereas if they have done the planning, then when you sit down for your half an hour to write, that entire half an hour is actually spent writing. And when you use that time productively, that's when you get the book out very quickly. Um, the next mm. piece is not making the time to write. Okay. I know that as a small business owner myself, often there are a lot of things I could be doing to grow my business and a lot of bright, shiny opportunities out there that I could be pursuing and that can make it difficult to sit down and focus on just one project for, say, 30 days or 60 days and have that half an hour to an hour every day getting the words out. Mm, I can imagine that a lot of people would struggle with that, you know, particularly someone who's maybe not um, terribly familiar or comfortable with writing. Mm. And maybe I'll come back to that in a minute. Okay, so not having the right idea, not making the time, so not sort of having the plan. Any other ones? Any other classics? Um, well, then it would get into the publishing process. And one of the biggest mistakes I see people making there is choosing the wrong editor mm. because a lot of people just assume that all an editor does is correct your spelling and grammar, which is true when it comes to many editors. But if you're not a writer, which many soloists aren't, then you're probably going to need a bit more support than that. So you should be looking for someone who isn't just going to correct your language, but someone who's going to 
pull apart your structure and put it back together and cut repetition and tell you what you can add to your book to make it as good as possible. And I find that editing process is what really makes the difference between a book with great content and a book that's subpar, even though the cover might look professional and it might mm. feel like a real book when you hold it in your hands. So with, when does the relationship with, when should the relationship with this editor start? It sounds to me very much like it's kind of on, at day one. Presumably, this, <laughs> what's, what's your thought on that? It depends on the author and it depends on the editor as well because some editors will offer coaching as part of their services and some just want to see the finished book. So if you're working with someone where there is more of a coaching relationship, then as soon as possible, because they're going to help steer you in the right direction and they'll prevent you from potentially writing 30,000 of the wrong words. Hmm. Um, if it's someone who does like to work with a finished book, then as soon as your first draft is finished, you should be trying to book in a time because good, good editors can book out in advance. So... You might finish your first draft and then need to wait a month or two before they can actually look at it. So that gives you a little bit of time to work on what you've done and refine it before sending it over. Yeah, okay. And finding editors, you know, I know that each state in Australia has its own sort of society of editors. Is that is that a kind of place to go or is that um, is that too much like sort of last year? How, how do we approach finding our editor? So there are a few things. One is the each state's society of editors, they have a freelance register, right. which is a good place to get started, but they do tend to have a lot of editors listed. Like you'll be going through thousands of different mm. people, which can feel a little bit overwhelming. Um, if you know anyone who has published a book, it'd be worth asking them for their recommendations. And because, like we've already said, because there are more and more small business owners writing books these days, if you put a shout out on Facebook, you'll probably find someone you know or someone know someone you know knows someone yes, who's written okay. a book. So you can get that referral. Okay. Or indeed get um, in touch with Jackie Prissy at Or get in Grammar touch with Factory. me. <laughs> yeah, okay. So let, let's just, again, I can imagine uh, some people listening going, well, look, I just you know, I struggle to write a letter to my mother. How am I going to be, you know, kind of writing 30,000 words? So mm. what do you, how, how do you handle that when someone comes to you, as I'm sure they must, and says, Jackie, mm. I know I ought to have a book. I know I need to have a book, but you know what? I just can't write. How, what mm. do you say to those people? Do you say go away or do you, is there, <laughs> I'm guessing you don't. How do you handle that? So there are two potential paths we could take. One is having a little bit of coaching. So we do a one-day workshop, which basically helps them put together their plan to write. And then they don't actually need to write around that plan. They could dictate around that plan, but it gives them a starting point. They usually, once we finish that session, they usually have a 5,000-word blueprint. Hmm. So suddenly there are only 25,000 words to write. And so have, and have you seen, have you genuinely seen someone who's kind of coming in the morning saying, I'm not a writer, I'm not a writer, and then leaving sort of all lit up in the afternoon saying, my goodness, I'm a writer? Oh, absolutely. Wow. Um, some of the most common feedback we get, and this is both at that coaching stage as well as in the editing process is, um, oh my God, now I understand how books work. And I know how a chapter is meant to be organized and I know which points I should cover. And if only I'd known this six months ago, I would have been able to write so much more by now. Yeah, okay. I think that's such a good point. And, and uh, you know, I, I have to agree with that is it's one of, you know, and I, I, I 
kind of see this as as I observed my son sort of improve in his study skills. Um, you know, obviously with some coaching from the school and 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 other places, is it, is once you kind of get the formula, once you see it, uh, it just gets easier. But I guess mm-hmm. if you know, so many people have got through, you know, a large part of life without ever having really written anything, um, apart from you know the odd proposal and the odd letter here mm-hmm. and there. But um, it it's, it doesn't surprise me actually when you say that that once you give people some structure give them some guidance so that she whoa guess what I can write you know such such mm. a delightful situation <laughs> okay what, but what about the people who say yeah look I can write but I simply don't have the time to write what about this whole thing of ghost writing mm. what's your opinion of that is that a good option is it realistic yeah, so this is when we get into option two. Okay. I think ghostwriting is realistic if you have realistic expectations. Uh, I think the easiest way to approach this would just be to outline how we do it. So we start with a workshop, basically the same workshop I mentioned earlier, to map out the book, but then it's the ghostwriter's job to flesh that out. And the way they flesh that out is usually with a few interviews with the author over Skype Uh, They'll also ask the author which sources they should use to bulk up their books. So I remember a couple of years ago, I was working on a project and the author showed up at my front door with a pile of business books he wanted me to read. So I would understand all of his knowledge and everything he'd learned. Yeah, I'm sure he did Uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) So they might already have publications that they subscribe to or white papers that they're fans of or books that they're fans of. So you can actually almost step into their own educational process to understand where their thinking has come from. And then all of that reading and the blueprint and the interviews are what we put together to create a first draft, which the author then needs to review and provide feedback. Mm. Now, if you understand that up front and know that as the author of the book, you will need to be involved, you will need, you will need to do the workshop, you will need to do interviews, you will need to be sending us information we can use then it tends to work because Mm. it is still going to be their book and it's still based on their knowledge. They're just not the ones typing it out. Yeah, and look, again, that's reassuring to hear because the thought of um, of just kind of, I don't know, delegating the writing Mm. of a book to someone just just doesn't feel right, does it? But, you know, what you're saying there is that actually, no, even in that situation, there is a, a high degree of involvement um, and you know, I'm very pleased to hear that there is because it, yeah, it just doesn't seem right otherwise. But is this quite common? Do you find many people that are going down that sort of route where they're actually they are sort of delegating a lot of the task to others? When it comes to our client, it is, our clients, it is the minority. So okay. we've worked with what about 130 authors now, and maybe six or seven of them have been ghostwriting clients. So there aren't that many going for that option. And I think the main reason for that is the cost, because obviously it costs a lot more to have someone else write your book than it does if you're writing it yourself and getting them to edit it. Yeah, and and I'm guessing again that a number of people might start off with you thinking, well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go the ghostwriting route. And then when they've maybe sat in on a workshop or some coaching, surprise themselves and think, actually, I can do this myself. So... That's got to be good news. Okay, mm. so let, let's um, 
jump forward a bit further. Let's say we've we've worked out what our theme is. We think, yes, you know what, I'm going to do this. We've developed our plan. We've structured our week so that we've got time that we're writing. We found our editor so that the editing side of it's going well. So it's all kind of chugging along pretty nicely. Um, but there's a, still a long way to go from having a, a good finished uh, book to actually, or sorry, a good finished manuscript than there is to actually having a book published. Mm-hmm. So, how does that process work? And and you know, do we need to be thinking about book designs and book titles mm-hmm. and or is you know because that that's that's an art in itself. I've seen so many good books <laughs> with with really lousy covers. So, mm-hmm. how do you approach that sort of side of publishing? So there are a couple of different options. Um, The first is to work with a number of individual freelancers. So you find an editor, you find a cover designer, you find an internal layout designer, you find a printer, and then you project manage the process. So you work with one and then move on to the next until you have a printed book. The second option is working with an end-to-end self-publishing company. So that's where you send it to the company and then they have an internal team who produce all of that for you. So it's quite similar to the traditional publishing model. The main difference is that with traditional publishing, the publisher pays for it, and with self-publishing, the author pays for it. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, and and is that is that an expensive process? I'm guessing it's getting cheaper mm. and cheaper. Right? There must be more and more people doing it. Well, if you do... If you work with individual freelancers, that tends to be a lot cheaper because obviously there are fewer overheads. You're working directly with each of the suppliers and there's no, um, I mean, you're doing all of the project management, Mm. so you're not paying someone to manage that for you. I'm having I'm having distinct visions of uh, grand designs now, and the and the poor couple that decide to project manage (laughs) their house and suddenly find themselves, you know, covered in paperwork and bills. Yeah. Okay. So that's it's cheap. um, It's cheaper that way, but it's it's also considerably harder because you're dealing with more people. mm, And well, it's cheaper if it goes well. Yes. But the other thing is, I've seen people go down that route, and then something has gone wrong, and they've ended up getting additional suppliers to help anyway. Mm. So it ended up costing more in the long run. So if you're working with the individuals, then you're probably looking at anywhere from about four thousand dollars to maybe seven or $8,000, right. just depending on the qu- cost of each supplier and the quality you choose at each stage of the process. If you're looking at an end-to-end provider, it's probably between about 10000 and 15000 mm. Okay. All right, so it's, it's an expense. But again, mm-hmm. the thing to remember is at the end of that, we've got an extremely valuable marketing tool. Um, in most cases, uh, a marketing tool that will have a good life as well. Mm. You know, we're not talking about news books here. We're talking about yeah. sort of factual sort of information type books. Um, so that, I mean, I guess, again, that's just something for people to consider is do I want to keep this all myself and um, deal with all these people individually or put it all um, under the sort of management of, of, mm. of somebody else, you know, one business? I can see huge benefits in the latter again where, you know, I've seen many books and I'm sure you have where you look at a cover and the cover has so such little in common with what's actually in the book, <laughs> you know, which is Absolutely. clearly to me looks like a case of, okay, well, there's there's a designer who's having some fun but obviously hasn't read the book or mm. doesn't know what the book is, um, you know, and, and, you know, that's not what you want, is it? That's not ideal. So I can mm-hmm. see the benefit in sort of having it all in-house. 
Okay, so um, anything else that we all, you know, you've given us a really good sort of insight, I think, here into into how the process works. You've told us kind of more than I expected is that when it comes to the cost of all this. Um, what are the uh, any other points that we're sort of that I'm that I haven't got to that are, are points of value that we should look at? Well, I think the big point to make is that once the book is out and in print, the project isn't over. And in mm. fact, that's when it just begins because once your book is out, that's when you need to start leveraging it and using it as a tool to grow your business. And one of the mistakes a lot of small business owners make is their book comes out and they think, okay, I'm just going to sit by the phone and journalists will call me and new clients will come rolling in and my life will change. Mm. And, and it the thing is, no one knows you've written a book. Mm. <laughs> you need to push it out into the world and you should commit to doing that for I usually say at least two years after the book comes out. So, mm. yeah, there does need to be a marketing plan and strategy behind it if you are going to see all of the benefits. Yeah, and of course we don't wait for that until the day all the cardboard boxes arrive. <laughs> you know, I'm guessing that, that's... No. no. And so with, with the sort of authors that you work with where you're helping them through this process, how many, you know, the kind of figures that you've mentioned there, how many books would that author end up with? You know, where do they start? Do they have thousands of books or is it kind of print on demand? How is that side of things handled these days? So it depends on the author, but our standard end-to-end -end publishing package includes 200 copies of your book. And we find that's a good number because it means you have enough where you can give them away to friends and family and still have some books left to see how they sell and to give to potential clients and to journalists and so on. We also set up print on demand through Amazon and about 1,800 other online retailers. Wow. And the reason for doing that is, one, it means their book is available internationally. Two, the entire order process and delivery process is automated. They don't need to worry about it. They just get their money deposited in their account every month. Yep. And three, it also makes the book seem a little bit more legitimate, I feel. If, mm. you know, it's a book where all of the boxes are in your garage and you're just selling it off your website, it doesn't feel as much like a real book as one that's available on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and Booktopia and so on. Yeah, of course, sure. So, um, and that again, I guess, is all part of the sort of marketing plan that needs to kind of start. I'm guessing it would be sensible that it starts, you know, very, very early on in the process of actually writing the book is, mm. you know, imagining, okay, I've got this book. Now, what am I going to do with it? So, um, and as, as uh, you know, you've indicated some, some strategies there, and I know there's some information on your site, and I know there's a a whole lot of uh, sort of articles and guides written as well, helping people market books because it's quite an mm -hmm. art, art these days, isn't it? But Absolutely. there's also some, you know, again, there's a process to do that. So, look, Jackie, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Now, I believe that you've got um, a sort of guide that you're happy to share with listeners. So can you tell us where we might go for that, please? Absolutely. So on the Grammar Factory website, we've actually put together an ultimate guide to writing an awesome book, hmm. which is a resource portal that includes interviews with other small business owners who have become authors. It includes free ebooks. Uh, it includes some webinars that I've done in the past. So basically everything we've ever created to help you write a great book. Fantastic. So that's grammarfactory.com.au. Uh, grammarfactory.com forward okay. slash awesome book guide. Okay. Grammarfactory.com slash 
forward slash awesome book guide. Terrific. Okay, well, look, Jackie Pretty, thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, also, thank you for, for being an author with us at Flying Solo. So we've got some of your great content on our, on our site as well. So thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. And look, before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly lovable business, we do get you. Flying Solo Premium Membership has all the tips and tools you need for just $99, and it now includes full access to our Work Your Way course. Head to our join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au.